Story eight of Romance of California Life by John Haberton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story eight Major Mart's Friend East Patton was one of the quietest places in the world. The indisposition of a family horse or cow was cause for animated general conversation, and the displaying of a new poster or prospectus on the post office door was the signal for a spirited gathering of citizens. Why, therefore, Major Mart had spent the whole of three successive leaves of absence at East Patton, where he hadn't a relative and where no other soldier lived, no one could imagine even professional newsmakers never assigned any reason for it for although their vigorous and experienced imaginations were fully capable of forming some plausible theory on the subject of the major's fondness for east patton they shrank from making public the results of any such labors it was perfectly safe to circulate some purely original story about any ordinary citizens but there was no knowing how a military man might treat such a matter when it reached his ears as it was morally sure to do live military men had not been seen in east patton since the revolutionary war three-quarters of a century before the villagers first saw major mart and such soldiers as had been revealed to east patton through the medium of print were as dangerously touchy as the hair-triggers of their favourite weapons so east patton let the major's private affairs alone and was really glad to see the major in person there was a scarcity of men at east patton of interesting men at least for the undoubted sanctity of the old men let no particular graces to their features or manners while the young men were merely the residuum of an active immigration which had for some years been setting westward from east patton when therefore the tall straight broad-shouldered clear-eyed much-whiskered major appeared on the street looking as he always did as if he had just been shaved brushed and polished the sight was an extremely pleasing one except to certain young men who feared for the validity of their titles to their respective sweethearts should the major chance to be affectionate but the major gave no cause for complaint when he first came to the village he bought rose cottage opposite the splendid whittleday property and he spent most of his time his leave of absence always occurring in the summer season in his garden trimming his shrubs nursing his flowering plants growing magnificent roses and in some ways acting utterly unlike a man of blood occasionally he played a game of chess with parson fisher the jolly ex-clergyman or smoked a pipe with the saddler postmaster he attended all the East Patton tea-parties, too, but he made himself so uniformly agreeable to all the ladies that the mothers in Israel agreed with many sighs that the Major was not a marrying man. It may easily be imagined, then, that when one summer the Major reappeared at East Patton with a brother officer who was young and reasonably good-looking, the Major's popularity did not diminish the young man was introduced as lieutenant doyson who had once saved the major's life by a lucky shot as that chieftain with empty pistols was trying to escape from a well-mounted indian and all the young ladies in town declared they knew the lieutenant must have done something wonderful he was so splendid 
but with that fickleness which seems in many ways communicable from wicked cities to virtuous villages east patton suddenly ceased to exhibit unusual interest in the pair of warriors for a new excitement had convulsed the village mind to its very centre it was whispered that mrs whittleday the sole and widowed owner of the great whittleday property had wearied of the mourning she wore for the husband she had buried two years previously and that she would soon publicly announce the fact by laying aside her weeds and giving a great entertainment to which every one was to be invited there was considerable high-toned deprecation of so early a cessation of mrs whittleday's sorrowing she being still young and handsome and there was some fault found on the economic ground that the widow couldn't yet have half worn out her mourning garments but as to the propriety of her giving an entertainment the voices of east patton were as one in the affirmative such of the villagers as had chanced to sit at meat with the late scott whittleday had reported that dishes with unremembered foreign names were as plenty as were the plainer viands on the tables of the old inhabitants such east patonites as had not been entertained at the whittleday board rejoiced in a prospect of believing by sight as well as by faith the report proved to have unusually good foundation within a fortnight each respectable householder received a note intimating that mrs whittleday would be pleased to see self and family on the evening of the following thursday the time was short and the resources of the single store at east patton were limited but the natives did their best and the eventful evening brought to mrs whittleday's handsome parlors a few gentlemen and ladies and a large number of good people who with all the heroism of a forlorn hope were doing their best to appear at ease and happy the major and lieutenant were there of course and both in uniform by special request of the hostess the major who had met mrs whittleday in city society before her husband's death and who had maintained a bowing acquaintance with her during her widowhood gravely presented the lieutenant to mrs whittleday made a gallant speech about the debt society owed to her for again condescending to smile upon it and then presented his respects to the nearest of the several groups of ladies who were gazing invitingly at him then he summoned the lieutenant whose reluctance to leave mrs whittleday's side was rendered no less by a bright smile which that lady gave him as he departed and made him acquainted with ladies of all ages and of greatly varying personal appearance the young warrior went through the ordeal with only tolerable composure and improved his first opportunity to escape and regain the society of the hostess two or three moments later just as mrs whittleday turned aside to speak to stately old judge bray the lieutenant found himself being led rapidly toward the veranda the company had not yet found its way out of the parlors to any extent so the major locked the lieutenant's arm in his own commenced a gentle promenade and remarked fred my boy you're making an ass of yourself oh nonsense major answered the young man with considerable impatience i don't want to know all these queer old-fashioned people they're worse than a lot of plebes at west point 
i don't mean that fred though if you don't want to make talk you must make yourself agreeable but you're too attentive to mrs whittleday by george responded the lieutenant eagerly how can i help it she's divine a great many others think so too fred i do myself but they don't make it so plagued evident on short acquaintance behave yourself now your eyesight is good sit down and play the agreeable to some old lady and look at mrs whittleday across the room as often as you like the lieutenant was young his face was not under good control and he had no whiskers and very little moustache to hide it so although he obeyed the order of his superior it was with a visage so mournful that the major imagined when once or twice he caught mrs whittleday's eye that that handsome lady was suffering from restrained laughter humorous as the affair had seemed to the major before he could not endure to have his preserver's sorrow the cause of merriment in any one else so deputing parson fisher to make their excuse to the hostess when it became possible to penetrate the crowd which had slowly surrounded her the major took his friend's arm and returned to the cottage major exclaimed the subaltern i half wish i'd let that indian catch you then you wouldn't have spoiled the pleasantest evening i ever had ever began to have i should say you wouldn't have had an evening at east patton then fred said the major with a laugh as he passed the cigars and lit one himself seriously my boy you must be more careful you came here to spend a pleasant three months with me and the first time you're in society you act to a lady you never saw before too in such a way that if it had been any one but a lady of experience she would have imagined you in love with her i am in love with her declared the young man with a look which was intended to be defiant but which was noticeably shamefaced i'm going to tell her so too that is i'm going to write her about it steady fred steady urged the major kindly she'd be more provoked than pleased don't you suppose fifty men have worshipped her at first sight they have and she knows it too but it hasn't troubled her mind at all handsome women know they turn men's heads in that way and they generally respect the men who are sensible enough to hold their tongues about it at least until there's acquaintance enough between them to justify a little confidence major said poor fred very meekly almost piteously don't don't you suppose i could make her care something for me the major looked thoughtfully and then tenderly at the cigar he held between his fingers and finally he said very gently my dear boy perhaps you could would it be fair though love in earnest means marriage would you torment a poor woman who's lost one husband into wondering three-quarters of the time whether the scalp of another isn't in the hands of some villainous apache the unhappy lieutenant hid his face in heavy clouds of tobacco smoke well said he springing to his feet and pacing the floor like a caged animal i'll tell you what i'll do i'll write her and throw my heart at her feet of course she won't care it's just as you say why should she but i'll do it and then i'll go back to the regiment i hate to spoil your fun major if it's any fun to you to have such a fool in your quarters but the fact is the enemy's too much for me i wouldn't feel worse if i was facing a division i'll write her to-morrow i'd rather be refused by her than loved by any other woman 
put it off a fortnight fred suggested the major it's the polite thing to call within a week after this party you'll have a chance then to become better acquainted with her she's delightful company i'm told perhaps you'll make up your mind it's better to enjoy her society during our leave than to throw away everything in a forlorn hope wait a fortnight that's a sensible youth i can't major cried the excited boy hang it you're an old soldier don't you know how infernally uncomfortable it is to stand still and be shot at i do my boy said the major with considerable emphasis and a far-away look at nothing in particular well that'll be my fix as long as i stay here and keep quiet replied the lieutenant wait a week then persisted the major you don't want to be guilty of conduct unbecoming an officer and a gentleman eh? don't spoil her first remembrance of the first freedom she's known for a couple of years well call it a week then moodily replied the lovesick brave lighting a candle and moving towards his room i suppose it will take me a week anyway to make up a letter fit to send to such an angel the major sighed put on an easy coat and slippers and stepped into his garden poor fred he muttered to himself as he paced the walk in front of the piazza can't wait a fortnight huh wonder what he would say if he knew i'd been waiting for seven or eight years if he knew i fell in love with her as easily as he did and that i've never recovered myself wonder what he'd do if some one were to marry her almost before his very eyes as poor whittleday did while i was longing for her acquaintance wonder what sort of fool he'd call me if he knew that i came to east patton time after time just for a chance of looking at her that i bought rose cottage merely to be near her that i kept it all to myself and for a couple of years had felt younger at the thought that i might perchance win her after all poor fred and yet why shouldn't she marry him women have done stranger things and he's a great deal more attractive looking than an old campaigner like myself well god bless em both and have mercy on an old coward the major looked toward the whittleday mansion the door was open the last guests were evidently departing and their beautiful entertainer was standing in the doorway a flood of light throwing into perfect relief her graceful and tastefully dressed figure she said something laughingly to the departing guests it seemed exquisite music to the major then the door closed and the major with a groan retired within his own door and sorrowfully consumed many cigars the week that followed was a very dismal one to the major he petted his garden as usual and whistled softly to himself as was his constant habit but he insanely pinched the buds off the flowering plants and his whistling sometimes plaintive sometimes hopeless sometimes wrathful sometimes vindictive in expression was restricted to the execution of dead marches alone he jeopardized his queen so often at chess that parson fisher deemed it only honourable to call the major's attention to his misplays and to allow him to correct them the saddler postmaster noticed that the major usually a most accomplished smoker now consumed a great many matches in relighting each pipe that he filled 
only once during the week did he chance to meet mrs whittleday and then the look which accompanied his bow and raised hat was so solemn that his fair neighbour was unusually sober herself for a few moments while she wondered whether she could in any way have given the major offence as for the lieutenant he sat at the major's desk for many sorrowful hours each day the general result being a large number of closely written and finely torn scraps in the waste-basket then coatless collarless with open vest and hair disarranged in the manner traditional among lovesick youths he would pour mournful airs from a flute the major complained rather frequently for a man who had spent years on the plains of draughts from the front windows which windows he finally kept closed most of the time thus saving mrs whittleday the annoyance which would certainly have resulted from the noise made by the earnest but unskilled amateur for the major himself however neither windows nor doors could afford relief and when one day the sergeant accidentally overturned a heavy table which fell upon the flute and crushed it the major enjoyed the only happy moments that were his during the week the week drew very near its close the major had with a heavy but desperate heart told stories sung songs brought up tactical points for discussion he even waxed enthusiastic in favour of a run through europe he of course to bear all the expenses but the subaltern remained faithful and obdurate finally the morning of the last day arrived and the lieutenant to the major's surprise and delight appeared at the table with a very resigned air major said he i wouldn't mention it under any other circumstance but i saved your life once you did my boy god bless you responded the major promptly well now i want to ask a favour on the strength of that act i'll never ask another it's no use for me to try to write to her the harder i try the more contemptible my words appear now what i ask is this you write me a rough draft of what's fit to send to such an incomparable being and i'll copy it and send it over i don't expect any answer all i want to do is to throw myself away on her but i want to do it handsomely and hang it i don't know how write just as if you were doing it for yourself will you do it the major tried to wash his heart out of his throat with a sip of coffee and succeeded but partially yet the appealing look of his favourite added to the unconscious pathos of his tone restored to him his self-command and he replied i'll do it fred right away don't spoil your breakfast for it any time this morning will do said the lieutenant as the major rose from the table but the veteran needed an excuse for leaving his breakfast untouched and he rather abruptly stepped upon the piazza and indulged in a thoughtful promenade write just as if you were doing it for yourself the young man's words rang constantly in his ears and before the major had thought many moments he determined to do exactly what he was asked to do this silly performance of the lieutenant's would of course put an end to the acquaintanceship of the major and mrs whittleday unless that lady were most unusually gracious why should he not say to her over the subaltern's name all that he had for years been hoping for an opportunity to say 
no matter that she would not imagine who was the real author of the letter it would still be an unspeakable comfort to write the words and know that her eyes would read them that her heart would perhaps probably in fact pity the writer the major seated himself wrote erased interlined rewrote and finally handed to the lieutenant a sheet of letter-paper of which nearly a page was covered with the major's very characteristic chirography by gracious major exclaimed the lieutenant his face having lightened perceptibly during the perusal of the letter that's magnificent i declare it puts hope into me and yet confound it it's plaguy like marching under someone else's colours never mind my boy copy it sign it and send it over and don't hope too much the romantic young brave copied the letter carefully line for line he spoilt several envelopes in addressing one to suit him and then dispatched the missive by the major's servant laying the rough draft away for future and probably sorrowful perusal the morning hours lagged dreadfully both warriors smoked innumerable cigars but only to find fault with the flavour thereof the lieutenant tried to keep his heart up by relating two or three stories at the points of each of which the major forced a boisterous laugh but the mirth upon both sides was visibly hollow dinner was set at noon the usual military dinner hour but little was consumed except a bottle of claret which the major who seldom drank seemed to consider it advisable to produce the after-dinner cigar lasted only until one o'clock newspapers by the noonday mail occupied their time for but a scant hour more and an attempted game of cribbage speedily dropped by unspoken but mutual consent suddenly the garden gate creaked the lieutenant sprang to his feet looked out of the window and exclaimed it's her darky he's got an answer oh major steady boy steady said the major arising hastily and laying his hand on the young man's shoulder as that excited person was hastening to the door officer and gentleman you know let sam open the door the bell rang the door was opened a word or two passed between the two servants and mrs whittleday's coachman appeared in the dining-room holding the letter the lieutenant eagerly reached for it but the sable carrier grinned politely said it's for de major sah was told to give it right into his hands and nobody else fulfilled his instructions and departed with many bows and smiles while the two soldiers dropped into their respective chairs hurry up major do please whispered the lieutenant but the veteran seemed an interminably long time in opening the dainty envelope in his hand official communications he opened with a dexterity suggesting slate of hand but now he took a penknife from his pocket opened its smallest brightest blade and carefully cut mrs whittleday's envelope as he opened the letter his lower jaw fell and his eyes opened wide he read the letter through and re-read it his countenance indicating considerable satisfaction which presently was lost in an expression of puzzled wonder fred said he to the miserable lieutenant who started to his feet as a prisoner expecting a severe sentence might do what in creation did you write mrs whittleday just what you gave me to write replied the young man evidently astonished let me see my draft of it said the major 
the lieutenant opened a drawer in the major's desk took out a sheet of paper looked at it and cried i sent her your draft this is my letter and she imagined i wrote it and has accepted me gasped the major the wretched frederick turned pale and tottered toward a chair the major went over to him and spoke to him sympathizingly but despite his genial sorrow for the poor boy the major's heart was so full that he did not dare to show his face for a moment so he stood behind the lieutenant and looked across his own shoulder out of the window oh major exclaimed fred isn't it possible that you're mistaken here's her letter my boy said the major judge for yourself the young man took the letter in a mechanical sort of way and read as follows july twenty third eighteen fifty dear major i duly received your note of this morning and you may thank womanly curiosity for my knowing from whom the missive which you omitted to sign came i was accidentally looking out of my window and recognized the messenger i have made it an inflexible rule to laugh at declarations of love at first sight but when i remembered how long ago it was when first we met the steadfastness of your regard proved to me by a new fancy which i pray you not to crush that your astonishing fondness for east patten was partly on my account forbade my indulging in any lighter sentiment than that of honest gratitude you may call this evening for your answer which i suppose you with the ready conceit of your sex and profession will have already anticipated yours very truly helen whittleday the lieutenant groaned it's all up major you'll have to marry her twould be awfully ungentlemanly to let her know there was any mistake do you think so fred asked the major with a perceptible twitch at the corners of his mouth certainly i do replied the sorrowful lover and i'm sure you can learn to love her she is simply an angel a goddess confound it you can't help loving her you really believe so do you my boy asked the major with fatherly gravity but how would you feel about it as if no one else on earth was good enough for her as if she was the luckiest woman alive quickly answered the young man with a great deal of his natural spirit twould heal my wound entirely very well my boy said the major i'll put you out of your misery as soon as possible never had the major known an evening whose twilight was of such interminable duration when however the darkness was sufficient to conceal his face he walked quickly across the street and to the door of the whittleday mansion that his answer was what he supposed it would be is evinced by the fact that a few months later his resignation was accepted by the department and mrs whittleday became mrs mart in so strategic a manner that she never suspected the truth the major told his fiancée the story of the lieutenant's unfortunate love and so great was the fair widow's sympathy that she set herself the task of seeing the young man happily engaged this done she offered him the position of engineer of some mining work on her husband's estate and the major promised him rose cottage for a permanent residence as soon as he would find a mistress for it 
naturally the young man succumbed to the influences exerted against him and after mr and mrs doyson were fairly settled the major told his own wife to her intense amusement the history of the letter which induced her to change her name End of story eight.